Well, good morning, church family. It is so good to be with you on this Sunday morning in this venue and in this format of worship. Uh, our, our hearts long to be together. Our hearts long for that community. And yet this is, this is a way in which we get to be together and we get to journey together. And I'm so grateful. I'm so thankful uh, for, this, for this means of communication uh, and all the work uh, that's put into making these uh, worship times a reality. Uh, and so thank you to uh, the staff for all their work and all the time and effort that they put in. Uh, to start off today, I have a joke for the kids. Uh, sometimes I think the jokes might just be for the adults as much as the kids, I'm not sure. Uh, but uh, uh, here it is regardless. Uh, how does a penguin build his house? It glues it together. It glues it together. Did you get that one? Yeah, there you go. That one's free. That one's on me. Uh, I miss the chuckles <laughs> in the audience, and yet that joke's for you today. So, well, welcome to Palm Sunday this morning. Today is a significant moment in the, in the church year. Uh, I hope you have a palm of some sort to wave around. I hope as you sang, you... you lifted high the name of Christ uh, and participated with uh, centuries of palm wavers throughout the church's history uh, as we sang Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Uh, and, and those rhythms, those songs just evoke in us um, good memories uh, and wonderful moments of, of celebration and worship. I'm so grateful to be with you and, and, and I hope you have something to wave. Maybe it's not a palm, uh, but maybe something to wave today uh, as we worship together. The lectionary uh, takes us back into uh, the book of Matthew for this, for this week's reading, uh, the story of the triumphal entry. Uh, and as we turn to Matthew today, I just uh, I invite you to remember um, that, that Matthew is the, the gospel written to the Jews, right? We've talked about this in the weeks past. One, uh, the, the lectionary cycle takes us back and, and uh, one last time kind of into the book of Matthew before for the Easter season and the weeks to follow will be uh, in, a, in other books, uh, the book of Luke and the book of John. Uh, as we as we journey through the season of Easter, um, and yet this this text in Matthew again reminds us that Matthew's audience was the Jewish people and the people uh, who followed Yahweh uh, and were familiar with the books of the Old Testament, and we'll see that again uh, this week. Uh, but the reading today comes from Matthew chapter 21, and we'll be re reading verses 1 through 11. Uh, today, I'll be reading from the Common English Bible. I invite you to uh, open your Bibles or point your devices again to Matthew chapter 21, verses 1 through 11. A reading from the book of Matthew. When they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethphage on the Mount of Olives, Jesus gave two disciples the task. He said to them, Go into the village over there. As soon as you enter, you will find a donkey tied up and a colt with it. Untie them and bring them to me. If anybody says anything to you, say that the Lord needs it. He sent them off right away. Now this happened to fulfill what the prophet said. Say to daughter Zion, look, your king is coming to you, humble and riding on a donkey and on a colt, the donkey's offspring. 
The disciples went and did just as Jesus had ordered them. They brought the donkey and the colt and laid their clothes on them. Then he sat on them. Now a large crowd spread their clothes on the road. Others cut palm branches off the trees and spread them on the road. The crowds in front of him and behind him shouted, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessings on the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And when Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred up. Who is this? they asked. The crowds answered, it's the prophet Jesus from Nazareth in Galilee. This is the word of God given to us, the people of God. We say thanks be to God. Well, this past week has, uh, has uh, encountered uh, a little <laughs> fabled holiday called April Fool's Day. Now, <laughs> I made a post on social media this week saying, hasn't all of 2020 been <laughs> April Fool's Day? It's almost been April Fool's year. Uh, I, I, was, I was super mean to the staff this week. I, on on Wednesday, I sent them a text message and I said, hey, just wanted to let you know, been, uh, been going through this process and it kind of has gone fairly qu quicker than I expected, but I've been talking to Trevecca Nazarene University and they're looking for a, for a college chaplain and uh, you know, I'm one, of, I'm one of two candidates left in the process and just wanted to let you know. Uh, <laughs> within, within, within a minute, less than, less than 60 seconds, I had replies from every one of them saying, you're mean, uh, because I had admitted in my text that it was an April Fool's joke. Uh, but I, I guess I, I caught their attention <laughs> there. It's not true. Don't start any rumors. It's not happening. Um, it was just a, an April Fool's joke. But it's been, it's been a crazy year right? It's just been a, a crazy year, uh, particularly with this, this virus thing happening this past week, over 1 million infections reported around the world, um, closures and cancellations. Uh, talk, to, talk to high school athletes about uh, their spring sports seasons, and it's just been an odd year. Uh, talk to parents who are trying to uh, conduct public school at home online, um, and uh, I saw <laughs> I saw one uh, tweet. I don't remember who it's from, but saying public teachers deserve to be paid millions of dollars uh, after after the attempts um, that have been made uh, to to school at home. Uh, Shelter-in-place orders, right? Uh, what, what's, what's deemed as essential in business these days and what's, what's considered non-essential uh, and uh, the, the difference between those two classifications. Online, everything. And then we had an earthquake this week, right? In <laughs> epicenter, uh, just kind of northeast a little bit from here and most, uh, most of the residents uh, in the Treasure Valley and all the way over here in Mountain Home uh, felt uh, felt something uh, during the the e during the earthquake earlier this week. Save us, <laughs> save us from 2020. We're we're kind of just like the people on those streets in Jerusalem 
back in those days. Now, I, I want to take, take a couple, a look at a couple of things in the scripture. I accidentally closed my Bible, so I need to, I need to find it. But starting in verse 2, uh, it talks about this, this exchange that Jesus has with his disciples. He tells two of them, I want you to go into the, into the town. I want you to find a donkey there. You'll find a colt tied to it. Um, and I, I want you to bring them back. Now, Matthew records both the donkey and the colt. If you took a little time and, and went and read the triumphal entry stories of the other Gospels, this is the only one that references both a donkey and a colt. Uh, and if you look in the little footnotes of your Bible, it probably points back to the scripture in Zechariah, Zechariah 9.9. 9. Um, according to that text in the Word, it talks about both a donkey and a colt. Now, in, in, uh, in Hebrew literature, um, the, the repetition of that and, and, and restating it with a slightly different word in the way in which they, they uh, often did just emphasized the point. It helped to uh, uh, really make a strong point for the readers of those texts. And that was something they were very used to and, and it was very common in those days. Now, Matthew wanting to be true not only to what actually happened, but also because it's written to the Jews, wanting to fulfill uh, what, the, what the prophecy said in Zechariah was very careful and very clear to point out um, th that there were two animals present. But <laughs> it, it kind of makes for awkward reading, right? Uh, they brought the donkey and the colt and laid their clothes on them. Okay, so... You know, maybe the two disciples, one did one animal and one did laid their clothes on the, on the other animal. Uh, and then it says, then he sat on them. <laughs> I get this image of Jesus trying to ride two animals at once. And <laughs> it, it's very awkward. How, how does a person ride both a donkey and a colt at the same time? It's very interesting. The second thing that I want to point out is that, that kings didn't ride into Jerusalem on colts or on donkeys, okay? Uh, kings would ride in in all their regalia, on their war horses. Generals would march in in conquest and say, uh, look at the spoils that we have brought back. Or they ride in with their armies on their war horse and say, we are here and we claim this area. And... <laughs> on, their, on their trusty steeds and showing their strength um, with their powerful armies flanking the procession. Uh, military soldiers armed to the gills with their armor uh, and with their spoils trailing behind. They would march into the city saying, we are here and we are here to rule. Jesus marches in on a donkey and on a colt, with clothes spread over the animals, with a band of 12 followers, <laughs> fishermen, a tax collector. Uh, this is not the procession of a king. This is not a procession of a conqueror. This is not a procession of a general. And in this reality and in this contrast, we begin to see the unfolding of the kingdom of God 
as it would be brought forth by the person of Jesus Christ. This ragtag group of, of folks enters this city on a, on a, on a makeshift red carpet. People laying down their cloaks, people cutting palm branches uh, from the trees and, and laying them down on the ground in front of Jesus as he came. And the crowd begins to chant, Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest. And I'm going to come back a little bit to that chant, that word of Hosanna. But the, the celebration, the regalia, the pomp, was all there and on full display. And, and the people had come to welcome this king who didn't look much like a king. In the scriptures it says this, as, as Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred up. Who is this, they asked. And, and, I, and I got to thinking, uh, it said the crowds were there. The crowds uh, had had lined the streets and were, were a part of this procession, were a part of, of, of shouting Hosanna. And so what did it mean by the city was stirred up? Well, you have to realize and you have to understand that, that this was uh, the time of the Passover feast. This is a time when, when thousands of pilgrims would flood the, the city of Jerusalem. It was packed. There were people everywhere. And, and this was a, a regular ritual celebration uh, in the Jewish calendar year that they would make pilgrimage to Jerusalem to celebrate this, this portion of the calendar year. And, and as they did, it was, it was these people, it was the, the people who had flocked to Jerusalem, who, who had heard and, and who had, 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 someone had mentioned to someone who had heard from someone about this guy, Jesus from Nazareth in Galilee. And, and, and this is the guy, he's here. And, and the crowds were stirred up. But Jerusalem, Jerusalem was a little less impressed. Jerusalem took a little less notice than the crowds. Who were the ones that saying, it was saying, who is this? This is the city officials. This is the religious leaders, the scholars that, that weren't so keen on who Jesus was. They didn't understand. They, they weren't so impressed. They weren't really excited about the entrance of this visitor. But this was the guy that the people had heard about. This is the guy who had been out in the countryside, not rallying an army to himself, but kept ditching the crowds, kept trying to get away by himself. But everywhere he went, there were healings. People who had been sick their whole life, people healed from uncurable maladies like leprosy, like blindness from birth. Uh, everywhere he went, there were, there were feedings, reports of thousands of people being fed with small amounts of food, with baskets and baskets of leftovers at the end of the day. This was the guy that performed miracles and changed people's lives wherever he went. And the shout of the pro procession, the shout at the city gate was, Hosanna, Hosanna, I said, I said we would come back to that word, Hosanna. We, <laughs> we, we've kind of messed up this word. 
we, we've really messed up this word. Uh, when, what do you think of when you hear the word Hosanna? I think of a number of fantastic worship songs that I love that, that, that sing Hosanna very melodically and very, very beautifully. It, it's, it's, a, it's a word of worship for me is what it has become. I think of palm branches and I think of palm Sundays of the past. This, this one will be one to remember for sure. I think of Easter songs when I hear the word Hosanna. But what does Hosanna mean? Do you know the etymology of the word Hosanna? At its root, some of you already know this. Hosanna means save us. Save us. The chant of the crowd was not worship. The chant of the crowd was not a melodic Easter song. It was not some form of worship or some sort of exalting of, of someone who uh, was their leader. It was a cry of pain. It was a, it was, it was a cry of, of wanting to break free, wanting to, to be saved, filled with latent expectation. This is the guy that's going to make the change. This is the guy that's going to restore Israel, there were all these hopes of, of liberation, hopes of, of freedom from, from Roman rule and Roman oppression, Roman taxes, of restoring Israel to the kingdom of David, the good old days. And as the people chanted, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest, they looked to this leader riding on a donkey and a colt, apparently, <laughs> to save them and to set us free. Isn't that our cry today, church? <laughs> Isn't that our cry, Hosanna, Hosanna, God, save us, Jesus, save us, Hosanna, set us free, fix this, make this go away, we don't like this, restore the good old days, I don't understand why we're going through this. Save us. Palm Sunday is our Sunday this year. This is, this is the setting. Maybe, maybe this year we can step a little bit into the story of first century Jerusalem, of the nation of Israel in the midst of Roman oppression. Maybe today this is the perfect cry for us. Hosanna. But maybe like the crowd, our expectations are, are a little off. Maybe when we say, save us, uh, the expectation is, is to cure us. Maybe the expectation is, is to protect us, pre prevent that disease from entering our household, from affecting those that I love. Maybe our expectation is, God, would you make this go away? We don't want this. We feel invaded. We feel controlled. We feel restrained. We want to be free. But you see, this, this ragtag group of individuals who journeyed into Jerusalem that day, 
amidst the shouts of Hosanna and the waving palm branches, the branches on the ground, the cloaks on the ground, this makeshift red carpet as Jesus entered the city. This crowd didn't go up to Herod's palace and break down the doors. It didn't go to the armory and, and, and stock up with daggers and spears and, and, and load up with ammunition. Where did this group go? Have you looked beyond in Matthew? The next section shows Jesus heading to the temple to cleanse it. To say, look what you've done to my father's house. Look how you've missed the kingdom of God. Look how you've misunderstood what this whole ritual is about. The, this, the, the meaning of worship is so far gone. And it says he flipped tables and he chased people out of the temple courtyards. I want to be clear. I want to be crystal clear today. What we're going through today is not a lesson sent to us by God. I don't believe that. He's not trying to get our attention. He isn't trying to make a point. I don't believe in a God who kills 50,000 people to get our attention. But consider this this week. As you sing Hosanna, as hopefully you've found a palm to wave, as you remember these songs over the coming week, as we enter into Holy Week, as we do all of that, be mindful today that the saving that God does strikes at the heart of who we are and how we worship and how we chase after God. When the crowds chanted Hosanna, he went to their place of worship and cleansed. As they shouted Hosanna, he, he, he went through the rest of his week with all these different encounters up to a point on Thursday when he began to realize, when, when, when it was laid out in front of him, that he was about to lay down his life. Be mindful that the, the, the saving that God does strikes at the heart of who we are. And our prayer is, Lord, cleanse me. Lord, change me. Lord, mold me into the person that you want me to be today. Hosanna, save us. Save us not by liberation, but save us by transformation. Make me new again today, Father. In fact, the opportunity this year is to cry Hosanna and to mean it in all of its connotations. But we do worship with Hosanna. We do worship for those who have chosen to follow Christ can say, save us, God. We worship you, Hosanna, for you have saved us, for you have come into our hearts. We have repented. We have turned away from the things that, that break your heart. And we've chosen to follow you and to have you in our lives and to chase after you with our lives. But today we also cry out with Jerusalem, Hosanna, save us. 
save us and be with us. But remember, like the people of Jerusalem, his saving might look a little different than what we expect. That the saving that Jesus does is not always about liberation, but about transformation. And may we pray the prayer that, that St. Patrick has taught us, Christ be, before me, Christ behind me, Christ underneath me, Christ within me, and Christ throughout me. That, that is how Jesus saves us. And that is the saving that Jesus brings. Would you pray with me today? Father God, we lift high your name today. And, and with all of Jerusalem, we say, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest. Save us. Save us. First, we worship you that you have promised that you would save us. But if we humble ourselves and follow after you, confess our sin, repent of our sinful ways, and walk closely beside you, that you have saved us. And yet in the midst of this crisis, we say, Hosanna, Hosanna, set us free. And make us new. Lord, would you make us ever tender and ever uh, formable by your hand that you might set us free by the transformation of our lives each and every day, God, to become more and more like you. We worship you today. I'm so grateful for our church family. Would you be with them and near to them in these days? And may we, like the city of Jerusalem, spend this week saying, save us. Save us. For you're the only one who can. We pray this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Savior, our Redeemer, and the one to whom we say, Hosanna. Amen. Amen. Well, I just offer this blessing to you today as we worship Christ today. We say, Hosanna, save us. May that be the anthem of our hearts today and this week and throughout the remaining weeks. Uh, uh, that we have in the midst of all that we're going through.